Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. You know, I gotta start remembering that whole like think about what you're gonna say thing because I just don't do it anymore. I think it's because you we, don't do it ever. Uh, no, I do. I, I, I sometimes overthink what I'm going to say. And what? Then I, you know, I was actually gonna try to just have like a normal. No, you weren't. Conversation with you. Bullshit. And instead, you just came right out, and in the span of 30 seconds, it would mean to me three times. Name them. Going, what? When I was talking about not thinking before I said something. Uh-huh, that's one. Um, questioning everything I've had to say. I haven't questioned far. anything. Your sarcastic tone. I'm not sarcastic. I'll just keep tallying them up. I think you're projecting. I don't project. You don't even know what that means. I'm putting what I think onto you. Yeah, exactly. It to me. That's what I said that you're doing. And you just said that that's what you were doing. Now you're gaslighting me. <laughs> what? No. It's the last podcast in August. It's <laughs> but <laughs> last it podcast ever. I was, was going to say it's the last day of August, but I forgot the August. Last it's 31 days. August. Day. It's the last August ever. I'm just <laughs> the last August ever. The world will be gone in 11 months. Guessing. Um, yeah, if you're new here, we we're already yachting. It's uh, nine, not even nine o'clock. Yeah, uh, on a I Tuesday. am a paragon of entertainment and energy, and Samantha normally falls asleep before the show is over. Um, and the show is us talking about a random movie from our massive movie collection, and us talking about our lives. Thank so, you so much for for you know giving me the benefit of the doubt and thinking I wait till the show is over to fall asleep. No, 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 I, I didn't say that. I said at some point during the show, yeah, you no. fall asleep I've and I been get annoyed at it because you're just like a, a drooling la, 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 Yeah. Even more so than your normal everyday existence. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, back at it. Here we are. I'm so glad that you were going to be nice on the show. You've ruined oh, it. Oh, I stopped that right away as soon as you were being your normal self. Um, we had a fun-filled uh, weekend excursion. Uh, in my home base of Stewart, Florida. Um, yeah. Spent a lot of money at a mall on jerseys and bags um, and shorts. Uh, but that we can also include us going to the movies, the the two of us and our daughter Jillian and my mother, who Jillian sat in between you and uh, my mom, so we totally fucked that up based on the, the, the joke on the podcast that the child always sits in between the parents. Uh, we went to the theater to go see DC League of Super Pets, the animated movie featuring Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart and your favorite, Vanessa Bear, and all kinds of others, um, that is surprisingly like done underwhelming business at the box office, considering it is a 
like a superhero animated movie. I don't know what about it. It's kind of, I guess it's just not as rush not, out to go see it. It's not Marvel pets. No, but still, I mean, like the super pets are a thing. Like Crypto and Ace the Bat Hound have always been. I don't know if the, any of the rest of them are based off of anything. I don't think I've they never are. heard of them. Of any of the other ones, you've never heard of Crypto or Ace the Bat Hound. Nah, Crypto or Ace the. Bat oh yeah, Hound. no, Crypto and Ace the Bat Hound are definitely pre-existing things. Um, but it got good reviews, and and you know, Jillian was excited to see it. And I I ended up liking it, yeah. it quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was a fun movie to see. Yeah, it was has some heart. Had literally some heart, had some literally had some like, and figuratively because Kevin Hart was in it. Get it? Do you see what I did there? Stop touching me! If you touch me, I'm gonna stab you with this pilot pen. Um. Could you imagine if you'd actually done it, gushing blood all over our new couch? I would have kept going. I would have never forgotten. I want to get my fucking point across. Oh. Also had some adult humor in it, which is always fun for the parents that are sitting there. There's like three or four bleeps in the movie. We're like, why isn't that just a thing in, in kids' movies? Like, just throw some curse words in there and just bleep them out. It's just like they're watching TV. Who cares? Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I, it was a lot better than I was thinking it was going to be. Um, and compared to some of the more recent animated movies that we've sat through... It engaged me a little bit more because mm-hmm. it was thinking of the adults in the room, not just the kids. Yeah. And I'm it, the one who had to sit through the Minions movie. Let's just remember that. Yes. And also I felt like it was oddly a kind of good superhero movie. Had a good villain, had um, some good uh, through lines to some, some comic book related things. I, I, I was surprised that I, I would... I would Happily welcome some more DC League of Super Pets. And Jillian dug it a lot, too. Jillian so. really liked it. And, yeah, it's a good villain. When Jill, That's Jillian's favorite character in the movie was the villain. So, you know, they, they did it well. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very good. Uh, didn't fall asleep. That's how you gauge if you like a movie or not, if now, you didn't fall asleep. Now... That's depressing. That's what happens when you're... 35 years old? 35 years old. Cool. I'm glad you have so much time left. That was harsh. <laughs> A lot more fun years ahead when you're falling asleep with your benchmark of movie ratings yeah. is falling asleep in them. No. No, it was, it was good. There were funny moments. Yeah, it was, it was a good movie. Good family movie. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, so we had that weekend down um, down south and then came back. I just finished watching, uh, binge-watching the first two seasons that are available, The Joe Schmo Show on YouTube. If you don't know what The Joe Schmo Show is, go back and watch it. It is one of the greatest reality television shows that was ever made. It's on Spike TV for two seasons. Um, and it's a reality show where only one person believes that the whole thing is real and everyone else are actors. It's fucking, it's fucking astounding television. It's so good. And it's great, also oh. trashy, early 2000s reality TV at the same time. So um, that's what I've been doing. Uh, we are going to be going out of town this upcoming weekend for a wedding. Um, which I'm very excited about. Uh, hopefully I won't get COVID or hand, foot, and mouth disease. Um, I'll just get, like, the measles or something. God forbid. Uh, Segway. Uh, maybe I'll just be around somebody who had the measles. For today's movie... The movie that was randomly selected uh, with a batch of random selected movies because we um, kept drawing movies that 
weren't available for streaming when we needed movies to stream, and now we're just kind of trying to finish them out. Apollo 13, which I had never seen before. Was this the first time you'd seen Apollo 13? It's the first time I saw the full movie. You saw the rest of it on, on TV or in school or... Probably in school. Hmm. I fell asleep. Spoiler. It, t- t- today? No, no, no the first now? time I saw it. Got it. I think I was like 15 or something, so... Apollo 13, the 20th anniversary edition. Houston, we have a problem. Of course, you have to put it on the box. Do I have to do these? I don't remember. No, no, no. Okay. No, just, no, none of that. Uh, just a if visually it was a stunning American adventure. That's kind of like Yeah, a, yeah, but not that. Okay, but it. only if it's a quote. Nominated for nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Apollo 13 is the inspiring and riveting story of the real-life space flight that gripped the nation and changed the world. What? It sounded like it was very close there for a minute. And I'm distracting you, so keep going. It had been less than one year since man first walked on the moon, but as far as the American public was concerned, Apollo 13 was another... I fucked up. I forgot the word just. Was just another, quote, routine space flight until these infamous words pierced the immense void of space. Houston, we have a problem. So you fucked me up, and I lost my fucking space. That's not fair. Produced by Brian Grazer and directed by Ron Howard, Apollo 13 stars Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, Gary Sinise, and Ed Harris in NASA's epic operation to save the lives of three astronauts battling to survive an ill-fated mission to the moon. Missed a word and say a word wrong. And you're too busy making big, exaggerated fucking facial expressions. I wake up all of a sudden That's when Chris is reading. That's just how I look. When you open your mouth, I have to make sure that there's not a fucking emergency happening because it fills the room mm-hmm. what is the score in this reading challenge we are currently in that we are rapidly approaching I the result I have 20 for? now I have 21 and you have 22 when the fuck did I when what the fuck did that happen I don't trust you you're bad at no this. I'm not you messed up on Fantastic you're bad at spreadsheets four. I'm not bad at spreadsheets I'm just you to, shut your just fucking to, mouth I'm just trying to really hurt your feelings you <laughs> take it back go on no your you best. you you know what? Why don't you pull out your list? I do. I have Which a, notebook is it in? No, 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 of the fuck ups of the fuck ups. Oh no. Where are you keeping tally? I don't. Mm. Mm. It seems like this is an inefficient system. Look at all this. I enjoy my system. Scribble, scrabble, Wait, poop report. What was the last thing I messed up on? You Fantastic Four. You had one. Fantastic Four. You had one point. Okay. Yeah. So two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You can count. Good. That's all the reason I, the only reason I argued. I just doubted it for a second there. So this has now basically, it's now, it's past its 25-year anniversary. <laughs> it came out in 1995. <coughs> yeah, so I'd never seen this before. Um, Why not? I don't know. Um, you feel like you're enough of a nerd to enjoy it. I'm not really into like space. Like why not? Space just, is so not, cool. So so I'll, I'll go ahead and kind of give like my, my overarching review of the movie, and it'll kind of lead into what I was just talking about. So I thought it was obviously a very well done film. Um, that's very famous for you know the line and the, and the story and the actors, um, but I didn't think it was like this all-time classic that so many people like kind of make it out to be and I think it's just because I have a disconnect with like 
NASA and space and like the solar system. Like I thought the same thing about the Martian. I was just having a conversation with uh, Rich Camelucci, who's been on the show before, and another movie friend, Nick Lathan, about it, where they're both like, dude, the Martian fucking rocks. I'm like, the Martian to me is overrated as fuck. Like, I liked it, but it wasn't like some great, amazing movie. Um, I'm trying to think of other like space movies we watched. Star Trek. No, 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 no. That I don't, I don't count those. Those are those are science fiction. This is, and the Martian is science fiction, but it's rooted in like reality, space? like in space. No, you're such an idiot. Sometimes I'm not an um, idiot. <laughs> it's rooted in making it like a more realistic interpretation of what can happen. This is a an actual historical drama. The Martian is, is based on a book, and it treats everything hyper-realistically. But I just... I, science is my weakest subject. And from that, I just have a natural disconnect with any interest in other planets and, like, the technology and the jargon and the lingo that go into going into outer space. Um, and I, I think that's ultimately why I left the movie being like, oh, good, go, cool. all right. Like, <laughs> honestly, I was watching the movie and I was just like, I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of notes. I don't have a lot to add because I, I struggled to be grabbed by it. Do you feel a similar way? No. Okay. So, so elaborate on that. So it's something entertaining that people can I hear. I think that you're an idiot. Okay. Wonderful. That's not about the movie. Go on. No, but that's fine. People can relate to it. Um, no, I, I disagree. I, I maybe because I don't think that science fiction, like science fiction and science, like they're aligned. Like science fiction is rooted in science. Well, yeah, it's half of it. Go on. No, you're creating... just going to be mean. No, I'm not going to be yeah, mean. you're just going to be mean. I'm not going to be mean. Go oh, on. Okay, you just were. Go on. Rather not. I'm being funny. Go on. <laughs> okay, if you say so. Um, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think it, you know, told, told a, albeit like drum, overly dramatic interpretation of, of these events as based on some readings. Um... Like, it exaggerated some things Oh, well, that it's a happened. movie, of course. I was going to say, but, I, I was going to disagree with you on that. I think one of the things I liked about the movie the most was I think it did a really well, uh, did a really great job of the gravity of the entire time period in terms of the space race, in terms of the importance of, you know, space exploration and, and, and walking on the moon, how important was these men, and also... How like how drastic and dire and captivating the story was. I think that wasn't to yeah. me. It didn't feel embellished to me. Well, not not well, I didn't do yeah, I didn't do a lot of research. And I think on it, and so. I think maybe you know it's just it's a very different time, right? The seventy the sixties and seventies versus now, very different time. Oh yeah, um, one of the things I was thinking when I was watching it was just like God, like I would have liked to have grown up in this because now we just have whatever bullshit, you know. Well, I thought it was appropriate. Elon Musk, yeah. you know, Jeff and Bezos bullshit. I thought it was appropriate bullshit. that, like, when we watched this movie, um, the Artemis One uh, had to scrub their right. mission to the moon yeah. because of Especially being Orlando and locals, stuff. yeah. Right, and Orlando locals. And maybe that's part of it, too. You know, I grew up in Florida. Kennedy Space Center's always been, like, here. Sure. On the news, they always covered any launches and stuff like that. But, I mean, I love 
I don't love science, but I love space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love all of that, and I love science fiction. Um, but I'm not into like that chemistry and all those kinds of sciences. I'd rather, you know, science fiction. I guess is is more my appetite. Um, sure. So you so you thoroughly enjoyed the movie? No, I liked the movie. I didn't okay. thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, it's still, you know, hard. Um, I thought it was good. I, I think had I seen, I think had I lived through the initial landing on the moon and that whole thing, my perspective would be different. I don't think people of our generation may appreciate this movie as much as others and I think that's kind of where a lot of the accolades come from is a generation that went through you know no I, I think there is some I the think there's some reverence I think there's reverence in people beyond those that are like in their 50s and 60s I mean this I, was the third highest grossing movie of 1995 it is definitely mm-hmm. in you know a lot of the film reddit and like like movie podcast circles that I kind of try to follow and track. Apollo 13 is always kind of well-regarded as, you know, a, a movie uh, in its time, of its decade that is up in, like, the upper echelon. Sure. Um, and I think it is wonderfully directed, and I think of, of its nine yeah. Academy Award nominations, I think Ron Howard not being one of them for directing is a bit of a travesty considering that the guy who did Babe got nominated for one. Yeah. And I'm, like, not, I'm not going to slander Babe all day long, but I've, I've never understood that. But um, yeah, but but the directing, the cast is... The cast is solid. I think incredible. It, I think it, it won editing, and I think it's a wonderfully edited movie. The cinematography is on point. Everything, everything technically from a movie standpoint, maybe except to me the script is top-notch. And by script, I specifically mean that I think my biggest complaint about the movie is that it's a little too inside baseball or hard to comprehend because they don't dull anything down, a credit to them, that it's still an engaging and entertaining watch to do that. But I'm not sure if it's purposeful. So that way you're I think never, it must be purposeful. That way you're never quite sure what's happening or going on and how dry or dire or drastic the situation is. But to me, it hurt my overall enjoyment for it because I'm just checking out, waiting for, waiting to see something or feel something that happens based off of the you know the jargon and sure. the, and the, the cross talking that's constantly but on the, happening. But, but on the other side of the coin, if they did dumb it down, then you'd complain about oh, it wasn't real enough. There was no realism. They would have used these right. I'm not terms asking, rather than. I'm not asking for extremes. I'm but asking for a middle ground. There that I don't isn't think a the middle movie, ground though when it's is. something as technical as that. Did you see how many buttons were on that fucking module? Yes. Okay. Do you know what any of them do? Fuck no. Did you want them to sit there and explain them all to no. you? No. Okay. I mean, there's not really. But a I didn't want. Ground. I didn't need somebody also to be like, "You made it sound like I need somebody to be like, Duh, this one turns no. the lights on." No, like, but you don't want to be like, "Okay, power on, click." Like it, it. You know, you have to. We talk about suspending your your disbelief sometimes um, when you're watching movies. I think at the same time you have to also like, you know, put yourself in in those shoes like you know this is routine for them right like like these people have been on missions before they've been training before it's not they're not going through a newbie training 
where they are learning these things. They already know them. And so we have to take that journey with them. Um, whatever that means. If it was like a training montage, we'd be in the training montage with them. Yeah. Right. We'd be learning those things alongside them, but we have to, we have to put ourselves at the same point that they are. They're veterans. So, so, you know, for them to, you know, have layman's terms be thrown around in this, I don't think, I think it would have hurt the authenticity of what they were trying to accomplish. I get it. And I, I still disagree to a certain extent, but that that's just me. Um, did you have a favorite, favorite and least favorite scene of the movie? Well, I do just have one problem with the story. Okay. I thought that there, I thought there was a reason why we had vaccines, right? I thought, I mean, even in the sixties, vaccines were a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So wouldn't they have been vaccinated? MMR is one of the first vaccines you take. I don't know. Take four dois, doses of measles, mumps, and rubella. No, no I, I know what MMR stands for. Oh. But what I was saying was, I don't know when that became, like, a thing thing. I don't know either, but I feel like it would be ridiculous. Alexa, when did the measles vaccine start being required? According to an Alexa Answers contributor... The first measles vaccine came out in 1963. Okay, so it came out... So it came out in 1963. So you figure it is six or seven years in, and there's nowhere that it's probably required. I mean, you figure if they worked for the government, like NASA's, you know... I, I, I don't know. So that, that ex- that's your answer there, is it probably wasn't, you know... Sorry, Alexa, shut up. She's just so nice to her. No, she didn't tell her shut I mean, I don't think... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What you're referring to is... So, the, the original team is supposed to be Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, and Gary Sinise. And then two days before... It's two days, right? Two days yeah. before they go up. Two days. Uh, it's revealed that Gary Sinise's character had a... Um, no. All of them were exposed. All of them were exposed. To the measles. Right. And the only one who had never had it before... Oh, gotcha. ...was Gary Sinise's character. And so, they said, he's going to get it. Right. Which he never gets. Which he never gets. Um, so it bumps him from the mission, and Ke- uh, Kevin Bacon has to step in. Uh, that so it's weird. So if I had to pick like my three favorite parts or scenes of the movie, I really like the first like twenty twenty five minutes of the movie with the party of the initial moon landing mm. and how important and big it makes that whole that that feel because it is like that was the biggest moment in like American history. Um, up to that point, you can still argue ever. Um, all the way into their training and the scene where Tom Hanks has to tell Sinise he's not going up. And Sinise is fucking great in that scene. I mean, they're all good in that scene, but Sinise specifically is great in that scene. And then liftoff, I, I loved because even when you know, like you know what's going to happen in the movie. Like it's a historical event. You know. There's no real drama to it, which I think is another problem that I ultimately have. But, to its credit, you still feel tense because of the performances and because yeah. of the way that everything's started. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, lift off and, you know, all the way up until, you know, when shit goes awry is, is great. And then, of course, the movie is built on the big moment of victory at the end and, you know, the, the sum, summation and the, the victory at the end of them getting home safe are kind of, like what I like the most about the movie. I mean, I think one of my 
favorite, I think one of my favorite things that this movie does is how it uses silence. And I think it does it in a really powerful way. There's, you know, because your space is silent and like a lot of things go wrong and like there's a silence and they're waiting and they're anticipating. There was one scene. You're talking about the three minutes of re-entry? No, um, the, the oxygen. So once the stuff explodes Mm -hmm. and there's just, you know, then, then Tom Hanks sees that it's the oxygen leaking out. The silence after that, it's like so, so powerful because then all of a sudden, like a snap of the finger and then everyone's just moving and they're trying to stop this, um, this ship from, from dying and killing these uh, astronauts along with it. Um, I just thought that they used silence really well. Um, the, si- the, the silence in the re-entry scene too, um, you know, it, it, I just feel like they make it palpable. Like you can feel the emotions Absolutely. through the silence. And, um, and it's just really well done because it's loud. This movie's loud, like sure, you no, know, absolutely. like like right, like like but with like all these machines and this and that, right? Like there's a lot going on. It's chaotic, um, but those breaks I think really help tell a great story. Yeah, there's there's looking at my notes and talking about it. There's actually a lot more of the movie that I I do like. Um, I, I think my biggest stretch of the movie is when it gets a little long and tedious in terms of trying to figure out, you know, at each stage what they need to do to survive and where to move on, it just gets to be, you have way too many characters in, like, the control room, so, like, I don't have an emotional attachment or investment in any of them, really. Even Ed Harris's character, to a certain extent, like, again, this is one of those movies that kind of boggles my mind, like, who got nominated for things. So the two acting nominees from this movie were Ed Harris for Best Supporting Actress, or Best Supporting Actor, and then, um, I, I, I forget her name, it's either Margaret or Kathleen Quinlan, uh, for Best Supporting Actress as uh, Jim Lavelle's wife. And I'm like, okay, those are both fine performances, yeah, but, like, but neither one of them, Kathleen, neither one of them like did anything. Yeah, I would have felt like it would have been like... You know, I mean, granted, this, this is a weird Oscars year. Uh, so the Oscars, so the... The Best Picture nominees this year were Apollo 13, Braveheart, Babe, Il Postino the Postman, and Sense and Sensibility. Oh, my. Other movies that were, like, nominated for things, uh, which all of which I feel like are more in the consciousness now than others. Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas, Mr. Holland's Opus, Nixon, Casino, The Bridges of Madison County, The Usual Suspects, Twelve Monkeys, um... Uh, the only one I haven't mentioned that won anything significant uh, was the Woody Allen movie Mighty Aphrodite, which Mira Sovino won a Best Supporting Actress for. But yeah, it's it's a weird, weird year. Um, so those performances getting recognized are, are odd to me because it just feels a little unbalanced in in the middle when you have so many different science guys, you know, mm-hmm. trying to throw different things on the wall and come up with ideas and make it stick. And but then the stuff that picks it back up is we get back to the core three. <laughs> We have stuff like Bill Paxton's character starting up to feel well. We have stuff like the the argument between Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon that, that Tom Hanks needs to kind of 
mediate and you know keep them together um the frustrations and them taking off their their biometric mm. you know tracking stuff that stuff's more up my alley and what you normally see in an embellished historical you know drama movie um so the movie does have a little bit of it not having like known the full story of it all but it's it, it could have been more to me in, in some of those paces and some of those things I do also like um, I, I mentioned basically I'd say probably like the first hour of the movie is really really good because even after liftoff before the accident I love you know they address you know <laughs> you know urine getting sent out into space and I uh, I like how it's almost like passe at this point you know, go into the moon and go into space. Like, everyone's moved on. Like, they're not even on the TV. Yeah. Everyone's just watching, like, I Dream of Genie, And it's not until, you know, a tragedy is potentially taking place right. that it becomes the forefront. But so what does that say about exactly. society, Well, that's the thing. Right? I think it's kind like, of a subtle I mean, commentary about I agree, even back yeah. in the late 60s where society was going of, you know, only bad news is the news. Right. Uh, was, was kind of happening, uh, you know, it's already starting there. Uh, I also liked again part of that first hour portion. Um, the stuff I did like from the wife is um, like her nightmare, where you know again you're not sure what's happening. Right, you're not you, sure you if see... it's real or not. No, I liked that too. Yeah. Um, but and that's why I don't wear my my rings. You always get all my case about not wearing my jewelry. Well, they're just laying around. They're all no. All I times. mean, right now I have them right here on yeah. my fingers. You're taking them off as you speak. Well, yeah, I don't want to wear them anymore. But no, so look, I don't wear my rings or jewelry in the shower because I want it to fall down the drain. I'd be yeah. devastated. Sure, no, no, no. I, I've never I've never bemoaned you about that. That makes oh, okay, perfect yeah, sense. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. But when you're just, you know, you're just... I get swollen and so the rings hurt so I gotta take them off. And oh, how sad I want to put you. lotion on. You want some lotion? You ever put lotion on your hands when you have your rings on? Then it makes them feel weird. Your lotion gets stuck under there. It's weird. You're weird. What did you not like about the movie? Excuse me. Um, Lovely. I don't know. I, I I said before that I think this is a great cast, and I think I just think that there was better chemistry in some with with some like pairings than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if I necessarily agree with some of the casting choices. Um, hmm. But that, You're talking about the core three? Yeah. Hmm. Is that going to get into LVP conversation? Already? I don't think any of them are LVP. No, I don't, I just, no, no none of them I are. I just don't think... But who are you referring to? I'm interested. Because I, I have an idea. I just don't think... I, I don't think Kevin Bacon was right I for this. I agree. I really loved the dynamic between... Um, Paxson and Hanks. Yep, Paxson and Hanks I thought were great. And Sinise. Sinise I thought they great, were great. Yeah. In the first few things when they're in the training thing and they got to go back yeah. in and stuff. They all had well, like a that, really that good might, repertoire. That might be a little purposeful. Maybe, but I also just wasn't super compelled by Kevin Bacon's performance. I agree. Um, it, I think it could have been. It was an oddly someone else. It was it an oddly written character because, like, he's kind of shown as this, you know, possible playboy, hotshot guy, and then he gets on the on the the ship. And he's like, and he kind of just fades into the background, and it's right. not important. Like it's ambiguous if he made a mistake, and it's finally revealed that he he didn't do anything wrong. Right, right. And he also was part of you know a significant part of saving the day. But, but then he just, just be, like none of that. 
brashness or that, for lack of a better word, no pun intended, swagger, um, you know, kind of carries it. So I, I, yeah. I that was the, I, I was hoping that's what you were going to say, so I wasn't off base by kind of the same thought. No, yeah, like he, I just, he just felt, he was it like, just, it felt like he was like the odd one out. And like you said, maybe it was purposeful. I could see that, but even, I just didn't feel anything like when he did mess up or he did get something right, like... I don't know. It just felt like like Gary Sinise was way more compelling when they were in like the practice things. Yeah, you know. And, well, he was and, more compelling like watching TV, you know, stuff from home, or when he gets woken up, right. or when he's trying to, or when he's he's brought in to and fix things. He's just like doing all the same. I, I, I was sad there was so little of him in it because I thought he did a great job. I, I, I mean, he's still on my. He's probably my runner up for MVP. I don't know if we're there yet already or not. Well, but, I, mean, um, I think we can kind of segue into it. But yeah, I just didn't. I was very into it with those three. And mm-hmm. then when Kevin Bacon came up, excuse me, I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't know all of the details of yeah. the Apollo 13 mission, like that that had happened, like the sure. one that got booted and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting, that's an interesting wrinkle in the, in the mission, right? But then I was just like, okay. I mean, yeah. anybody, fucking Joe Schmo, your boy Joe Schmo could have done that, would have done what a better job. Oh my God! Actually, that's a great idea is to put Joe Schmo on Apollo 13. I mean, he, he would have been... I mean, I'll put him in everything. Matt Kennedy Gould. I thought you were about to write him down as like the... <laughs> should have been in the movie. <laughs> uh, so so that, that was kind of like the thing I didn't like most. I, I liked kind of the commentary of the times with the Beatles breaking up and everything. I liked the like broadcast that they did when they were oh, like... Yeah, yeah. Throwing the camera back and forth and having fun. Like, that's... I remember seeing things like that from astronauts. Like, they would do mm-hmm. those news... Like, I remember growing up watching stuff like that. We did, um, in my school, I want to say it was my... Either freshman or sophomore year, because, mm-hmm. you know, I was on the robotics team. A uh, real cool guy. Uh, we had a lot of, like, local media attention because our team was really good. And we won uh-huh. regionals. We almost won uh-huh. nationals. Stuff like that. How many robots you build? I didn't... I, I was never in the pit. I was part of the spirit team. Um, I just didn't want to do okay, a... Okay, Nikki. Uh, I just didn't want to do uh, uh, science fair projects. I hated science, so it's a way to get out of it, and it's just to hang out with my friends and go on trips. You know how easy science fair projects are? Yeah, but I didn't like doing it. I can't wait for Jill and Chef to do one. I'm just going to stick some bread under the sink and see what grows mold. It's going to be great. <laughs> that was always my science fair project. It's great. You it's wrap one in tinfoil. Stupid. You wrap one in plastic wrap, and you see what's a better... Preventative anyway, my mold. cool story to interrupt your lame bread not under lame. the sink story. Not lame. Uh, we had the opportunity uh, to like speak to an astronaut that was like in space. Like I forget what like space station or whatever he was in, and like ask him questions. And it was like covered by the news. I think my mom probably has a tape of it somewhere of me like speaking to a newscaster about you know you know asking an astronaut. Probably how he pissed in space. I don't remember. But, so, uh, so that's an interesting thing because that's what they focused on here. So, the I always was curious about it. I remember you you had the Scholastic Book Fair, right, in school. Yes. The, did you also have the the the, the catalog, like the like the sheets you could order books? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I loved those, of course. So I love books. That's where most of my books came from. Um, and I remember there was one. I was never a big like you know non-fiction kid even though my daughter Jillian now is like she all only, about non-fiction she wants to read non-fiction so there was one that was like the title was like 
how do you pee in space and like all kinds of like cool you know wacky science questions so i i wanted that book and my mom ordered it and like it was just like really popular and i never got it like it was like out of stock and every time you tried to like get it back they're just like we don't have this book so i've never had the question answered for me until just this movie so so they they basically put put like a a pump up to their suit yeah. and pee in it yeah which i figures and they put fairly, it in space fairly par for the course for men how do women do it though I don't know. I mean, there are female that astronauts. That wasn't a thought in the 60s. There are Well, not female- in the 60s. No, we don't even want women in anywhere but the kitchen. We don't want them in space. Was the mindset. Not my mindset at all. Me, send them up there. Get rid of them. <laughs> but how do they poop? Ah. I don't know. Um, That's an interesting... How, how have they made sure that by unleashing urine in the middle of space... That's not going to create a bigger issue. <laughs> you don't know what's going on I mean, up there. It, I mean, it freezes. It turns to ice. Yeah. So there's just frozen piss hanging around? Sure. That Probably sounds... why we get attacked by aliens on the 4th of July. That is a kickspit underground rock festival band name. Neil Armstrong's frozen piss. <laughs> uh... No, but, but you know, like, this is, is interesting. And Jillian's been really into space. Jillian wants to be an astronaut uh, when she's 13. And um, so she's super into space. She's a little behind schedule, but that's okay. Well, she's super into space. She's super into science. Um, and we went to the Orlando Historic Regional Center mm-hmm. um, a couple should, months ago. We should take her to the Science Museum. We too. should take her to the Science Museum. There's a really good one down where my parents live, too. Maybe I'll tell them to take her. But um, she... There was a lot of different um, exhibits there. There was stuff about like unicorns and fairies and dinosaurs, yeah. like you know, mythical creatures that she loves because she's five. But um, her favorite thing, they had a space shuttle there, like a a, a module. Yeah, like a dem- like a mock like a mock one, and Jillian just loved it, and she thought it was the coolest thing, and she's super into it, um, and she really wants to explore more into that and be an astronaut. So, you know, we, we got to take her to like the Kennedy Space Center. We're not far from it at all. Mm-hmm. And my my dad works for the FAA. So, you know, she wants to go visit where he works to tell the airplanes sure. and all that. So. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get around. Yeah. To it. So, so, I mean, I think it's really cool. I think it, you know, so I'd like to know how they pee so I can prepare Jillian for that inevitability, you know. Uh, or she definitely goes to space. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I mean, fuck. In 20, 30 years, we might need to go to space. Yeah, we're going to live on a space station. Would, would, would you? Yes, absolutely. Mm. I would jump at I think I'm going to go down with this Earth ship. Cool. You do that. I'll be in space. <laughs> no way. I think it's the coolest thing. I would love it. Mm. I'm super into that kind of stuff. I know you are. I'm not. Yeah, and that's why you're lame, and I'm not. Uh, one other thing that the movie does that I'm fine with, it's fun, but like it's kind of I felt like a trope back then, is the um, the put the actor's mom in the movie. <laughs> so the grandma in the movie is Ron Howard's like mother, um, and so she you know is in a home and just wants to see her boy on TV and is confused about the whole thing, and then you get like little cuts of her 
you know, reacting to the, the wife being upset and her getting to watch with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and, and whatnot. And, like, it's harmless fun, but, like, I felt like that happened a lot in those kind of movies. Like, the combination of those two things is, like, oh, you have to have this, like, little, like, D or E, like, humanizing plot to our hero already. Plus, hey, look, look at all the look at all the family members in the film. Like, uh, same thing with, uh, you know, the thing we really think about it was, Tracy Reiner is Bill Paxton's wife in this, Carl Reiner's daughter, um, Betty Spaghetti from uh, A League of Their Own. And she, and I, I recognized her. I don't think there's ever been a movie where she doesn't cry because she thinks she, her husband is dead or has already died. Um, Typecasting. <laughs> whatever works. So yeah, th- those little things. Keep you know, getting them checks, Betty th- Spaghetti. They're, they're minor things, but you know they still, they still bother me. All right, we were getting to MVP and LVP, so... Uh, Let's start with MVP, because I think it's probably easy. Uh, so, uh, Penny Marshall is her mother. Rob Reiner is her adoptive father, because let's never forget, Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall were married in what was the ugliest couple of all time. Uh, who's your MVP? <laughs> Great segue there. Yeah. I think it's Tom Hanks. I mean, he's I think it is too. amazing. He's phenomenal. And I just think there was... Just, everything's blowing up. Everything is going wrong. And he portrays it so well in his face. But he's calm. He doesn't panic. And, but you can still sense the internal combustion freak out that's happening. Yeah. He makes everything feel so real and grounded. Super real and grounded. His looks, like his his quiet agony when he he realizes yeah. he's not going to be able to ever step on the moon. Yeah, when he's and, just looking at it, and, and, just... and his looks of you know subdued excitement and anticipation prior to that, and then later on his relief. This is, I mean, this is the era where Tom Hanks is the biggest fucking, like, movie star on yeah. the planet. deservedly so. His previous two movies from this were Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. <laughs> so deservedly he was, so. He was kind of on a bit of a streak here. I mean, and, and not to mention after this, I mean, he gets the MVP when it's just his voice. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, that's hap- the caliber of actor we have on our hands. So I don't want to steal from the other movie podcasts that I... I often accidentally still from the rewatchables but would 1995 have to be tom hanks's apex mountain if you had to pick so apex mountain's a difficult thing to like and i i've, I've they probably already talked about this on the show and i don't know what it would have to be but like the height of if you think tom hanks like where was he at his most powerful Excuse at me. his biggest would it be this or would it be the year before with forrest gump mm. is it the one two apollo 13 Toy Story combo, or is it Forrest Gump? I I would have to go with the... I mean, there's no wrong answer. I know, but I really think you can't discount the phenomena that is Toy Story. I mean, for... for but how much... So here's the reason why I might argue against that and argue for Forrest Gump. Toy Story... Tom Hanks isn't the reason why Toy Story... He's one of many reasons you could argue Forrest Gump is people were going to see that movie for Tom fucking Hanks. That's the difference. Same thing with Apollo 13. He doesn't hurt, but it is a big budget, you know, 
for the time, wonderfully CGI'd, you know, and directed movie. Um, oh, fuck. In 1983, he had Sleepless Sea. Look at, just look at, okay. Wow. All right, I'm going to break down just a couple periods wow. in Tom Hanks' career, right? So in 1993, he had Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia. In 95, he had Apollo 13 and Toy Story. In 98, he had Saving Private Ryan and You've Got Mail. 92, he had Toy Story and The Green Mile. Ni- no, 99 was 99, Toy Story sorry. 2 and The Green Mile. That's fucking ridiculous. Well, and then you've got... I mean, you can just stop there. I mean... <laughs> No, I mean, what? Then you got 2000 Castaway, 2002 Catch Me If You Can and Road to Perdition, 2004 yeah, The Terminal. And okay, you're done. <laughs> I like The Terminal, but you know. Um, yeah, it, it's Tom Hanks, which uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Sinise. Like I already said, I think Sinise would be a solid number two. I, I had hopes for Paxton. I Paxton's Paxton, still great. I think he. It's just fun not to see Paxton just being a dickhead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, and I think he got short end of the stick in a lot of things. He just vomited, yeah, you know, and then he, of, he's know. like freezing, you know, he's got the fever and stuff. Like, you know, he had some hard yeah. physicality to go through. Yeah, he um, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Tom Hanks' MVP puts him uh, on his own in first place. Six? It's his sixth MVP. Six MVP. Breaks the tie he was in with Hugh Jackman and Bill Murray. Wow. So Tom Hanks is now the, the clubhouse leader for multi-time MVPs. Wow. And deservedly so. Um, and we haven't even seen... I mean, a lot of those movies we discussed. All those movies we just mentioned. Well, we know we've, so we've done all the Toy Stories. We've done Forrest Gump. Right. Um, we haven't we, done Philadelphia. We haven't done The Terminal. We haven't done Castaway. We haven't done Castaway. We have done Big. We have a lot. We have a lot of Tom Hanks movies left. Have we done any Tom Hanks movies where he... So he didn't get MVP for every Toy Story, but... um, He got half of them, right? I I don't remember. I I have to look at the list. Um, But are there any movies we've done where he hasn't been MVP? I don't think there's a movie we've done that he hasn't been in the discussion. Oh, of course, the discussion. Of MVP. Let me see. Hold on. I can tell you right now. I I have the filmography pulled up here. To see if there's anything, I don't think there's anything early Tom Hanks that we've tackled. Let's see, looking through. Um, when did we do that. the Toy Story movies? I uh, uh, was when Jillian wanted to watch them, so either 2018 or 2019, I think. Um, yeah, I think every Tom Hanks movie we have done, he has been the MVP for. I mean, I feel uh, the post, yeah, he was. He got it for the post. Yep, he did. Got it for, yep, Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2. He got it for both? Toy Story 1 and 2, he got it. Okay. But not 3 or 4. 3, I think, was Ned Beatty, and 4 was... Tony Hale. Oh, it's Forky, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so those would be the only two. So yeah, so I mean, that makes, that makes sense. I'm kind of sad. I feel like we're at a point in Tom Hanks' career now where, like... So this year he's Geppetto in the live action Pinocchio, and he's uh, Colonel Parker, or Colonel Ford, or whatever in the Elvis movie, which looks like basically a caricatured performance. Um, so yeah, it's a little like I don't know. I, I think I think Tom Hanks. I mean, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I, listen yeah. to what we've talked about in terms of the stretches of roles that he has. He's still one of our greatest living actors. But I wish he was still trusted to do those performances and not just. Basically doing, you know, that older actor impersonation, big budget stage of his career, which he's in. So, 
Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he gets to sink his teeth, teeth into something else. LVP. I, I, I hope so. I mean, but he is, you know, what? How old is he? 65? Probably in his early 60s, yeah. 65. 66. Yeah, so, I mean, you can do whatever the fuck he wants. LVP. I have a little list. It's, it's hard when you have a movie that's largely four or five big performances that are all solid and a bunch of bit players, but I'm curious to see if you had anybody singled out. Well, I mean, I know I talked about Kevin Bacon, but like I said, I don't think he's the I LVP. I, I think, you know, it, it, it was still a, a good performance. I just don't think it was, yep. you know, a good character or that, he, you know. Yep. I mean, it was indifferent more so than anything. Um, I mean... I, I mean, when we're talking like significance, I could have done without some of the people in the control. So I have two center. people in the control room. The third person I have is the daughter, but I think that was more so like that's the character. That's the she character. Was a fucking teenager in the sixties. The sixties rebellious teenager wanted to wear be be a hippie for Halloween and not wear a bra. Totally like, unnecessary. Sure, you yeah. just don't want Jillian to grow up to be like that. She won't. Uh, <laughs> so my two. I'm going to read my note verbatim. One of them is Clint Howard, and I put in parentheses, because I have to look at him. <laughs> I Look, nepotism in Hollywood, we've discussed on many different occasions, and we've had people win this award because of it. Kevin's daughter being the first one that comes to mind. I believe What Joey, did she win for? Uh, what fucking movie was she in that we didn't like? Uh, fuck, I know there's one. Oh, we didn't like it. It was, um... What the fuck? I don't know. It wasn't Tusk. Was it Tusk? I think it was Tusk. I don't, I don't remember. Um, Harley Quinn Smith. But Clint Howard has always just been one to me where I'm just like, I, I, I just don't get it. He, he's funny and like the water boy. But anytime I see him in anything else, I'm just like, yep, Ron Howard did this movie, and now I have to deal with the unbelievable-looking human being that is Clint Howard and his little golly gee, like, you know, ways. You're so mean. Um, I, I will say my favorite Clint Howard thing ever was uh, the 1998 MTV Movie Awards, back, like, peak MTV Award era, like the late 90s, early 2000s. They used to give out, like, a, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and it was, like, a joke thing. They gave it to, like, fucking Chewbacca. They gave it to, like, the guy that played Shaft. You know, like, they gave it to, like, Jason. Like, stuff like that. So they, they show a video, and they're like, man, Clint, man, Clint's the best. You know, I love Clint. Fe- making you think it's Eastwood. And it's Clint Howard. And they give Clint, ha- Clint Howard a Lifetime Achievement Award. But he took it as, like, a legit thing and, like, got emotional accepting it. So they had to retire the award <laughs> because he was like, thank you guys so much for recognizing me. Um, so he, he was one. The other person I had was, um, Ray McKinnon. So he plays, uh, the flight dynamics officer, Jerry Bostic. He was like, just like this country. Which one is that? He was the country bumpkin one. He was like tall and slender. And like every time he talked, he sounded like Foghorn Lakehorn. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, hold on, hold on. I don't know if that's like, he's doing the impersonation or if that's just how this guy talks. But Either way, make him tone it down a little bit. Because all of a sudden, in these very serious people, and Clint Howard, you have this guy, which is like, well, I don't know about this. And it's like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> so he stood out amongst all the other ones. I mean, there's some good character actors sprinkled out there, notably uh, Martell from The Replacements, Brett Cullen. <sighs> as one of the calm guys, you noticed yeah. him. Yep. Uh, so he was one. Ted, uh, Todd Luiso was another one. Um, so those were two. Uh, Mark McClure, another one, who is Dave McFly in the Back to the Future movies. He's another one. Uh, those were the two, though, that, that stood out to me. So I will go... We probably should go Ray McKinnon, and I should not give Clint Howard an award uh, for being the worst part of the movie based on looks. Yeah, I think that's probably okay, fair. probably fair. So Ray McKinnon is the LVP of uh, Apollo 13. I just have a problem with, like, in these, you know, serious, realistic movies. Like, if that's your accent, like, you get another actor or, like, <laughs> or tone it down because... I don't want something that seems, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, goofy. Yeah. In, you know, this drama. So he, he stood out to me. It took fucking forever to figure out who he was because none of these people have like their names mentioned at all. Ever. Like it's another thing. It was really confusing. It's it's so confusing. Like, I don't know who's important. All of a sudden you have this guy suggesting this thing about the oxygen and this guy going right. to fit the square peg into the round hole. It's like, let's give some development. Let's figure out who these... I, right. I get and it, the team efforts, the, And then you have the guy who's like, no, you have 16 hours, not 45 hours. Yeah, and then you have the doctor who everyone's kind of mad at. And Yeah, like, it was it just, like it, a lot of white men. Of course. Which, Historically yeah. accurate. Um, yeah, unfortunately. But that, that, that 30 minute chunk of the movie where like they kind of take over was really where I, I struggled with it. So, Um... Anything else on Apollo 13? I think we covered it. Yeah. Oh, no. The music. We should probably talk about the music because... <laughs> yep. Did, isn't this one of the movies that Jillian learned about? No, it's not. I thought she would have learned about the music. Didn't Jillian tell us uh, about the composers? John Williams and that's for this movie. Jillian's music teacher is teaching them about, like, film scores, which I'm all for, she was talking about Jaws and Indiana Jones. She, they're tackling John Williams, of course. Um, so I think that's very, very cool. But no, the music in this is very, very good. It's good, and it's suspenseful when it needs to be. Yeah, it's, stuff. it's a good score. It's but good um, score. no, it is not John Williams. This is rated PG for language and emotional intensity. Yeah. Um, Ron Howard also gets a bit of, a, I think, a negative connotation. So I'm really into, like reviewing directors uh resumes at the moment oh no and like kind of seeing should, should we do uh should we do that movie again um i don't even remember hillbilly him. elegy no because he directed hillbilly elegy oh, yeah, no, which no. is why he i'm fine with him getting negative connotations nowadays but um no at the bachelor party was out a few weeks ago we were debating tony scott versus ridley scott and i can you know we kind of had the hot take that tony scott might be a little bit better um, so I want to look at Ron Howard's quickly and see, like, if he actually, like, is garbage or not. Because I think he certain has, has a certain reputation nowadays. So I'm going backwards. Movies of his that I've seen that I've liked. I like Frost Nixon. Are you talking just about Directed? Just Directed, yeah. So I, I, I like Apollo 13 enough. Parenthood we tackled, which we really, really like. I've not seen the paper, but I've heard good things. Uh, Sp- so his early stuff I'm more intrigued with. I mean, he had kind of back-to-back Night Shift, Splash, Cocoon, Gung-Ho, Willow, Parenthood is like his 80s. That's fucking solid. 
And then even, like, Backdraft and Far and Away, okay. But then, like, you get into, like, Ed TV, the Jim Carrey Grinch. Uh, I know Cinderella Man people like. Then he did, like, the Da Vinci Code movies. Yeah, it's a lot of... Yeah, the back half is... The back half is where it's rough. <laughs> Solo, you know, thing, things of that nature. Uh, so, okay. I think I've kind of answered my question. He's kind of where I think people are accurate to him nowadays. He was better earlier on, after he was fucking Potsy or whatever. You're was, kidding, right? Was, no, it was Richie Cunningham, sorry. I was like saying Potsy. <laughs> I'm going to start insulting people with Potsy. Score time for Apollo 13. You drew it, because you drew like six fucking movies in a row. So I will uh, <laughs> score it first. Through, it's a rare case where through talking to you... I realize I like the movie a little bit better. What? Because I'm good at my job. No, you're not. Because I'm good at my job. I just read my notes. Uh, <laughs> it is it is still, I think, a little two hours and 20 minutes, a little long and tedious in you know a specific stretch of the movie, but the, the bread of the, the, the sandwich is really, really good. Um, and there's nothing technically wrong with it. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea, so I'm not going to dock it for... For that. Yeah, for you being dumb. Um, so I'm going to give it an extra bump from what my original score was going to be. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Oh, wow. I'm also giving it a seven and a half. I'm just much better about explaining myself. Where, like, we often match up our scores, but you're just, like, not good with words. No, I'm, I so. am. I'm great with words. I think it was good. I use the best words. I wasn't... I'm... <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> I'm not. I feel like, you know, I, I said my piece. I said I probably would have liked this more had I gone through this actual event. I think I've said it before. I'm not the biggest fan of, like, historical drama movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like this. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Mirror's Movies as Samantha just trails off. So, the schedule for the next couple weeks is going to be very interesting, depending on how I manage to tackle the DVD selection, because next week's episode is 8th grade. I'm going to stop Googling where things are streaming, because it tells me things are streaming with a subscription, and then I go and you have to fucking rent them or do whatever, which is why I own physical media, so I don't have to worry about this. So next week is supposed to be 8th grade. It depends on if I can find it upstairs. It may be the movie that we currently have queued up that I was able to confirm via streaming, which is ridiculously enough, Thunderstruck, the movie that we uh, picked from our can't-pick list, pick-em-off list last week. It's on HBO Max. And then, of course, our next random movie. We already had drawn the random movie post, uh, you know, Apollo 13, is the uh, Pitbull directed DVD movie Blood Money which I'm very excited for. And I will do my best to try to find by the time we roll around to see in September. Um, and we're right around the way from Halloween. We've got a, a fun October plan for you with uh, Halloween movies, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. But for now, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married with Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for bonus content, including Married with Podswoggle. It's coming, just like I have to edit um, the next little bit of the other podcast that I've uh, been doing that you are also kind of doing now as well, The Blank Slate. Um, by the time you're hearing this, soon, 
will be our 100th Blank Slate episode, which wow. will be Rich and I. Um, it's not that big of an accomplishment. It was going on in like 10 years. Um, I mean, that's true. Yeah. It's kind of uh, lame, actually. We, uh, uh, our 2022 Emmy deep dive, and then post that on that show, we'll be talking about what the Blank Slate will kind of be, and you and me and Rich and several others have done other episodes uh, that will be airing on that, on that feed. So make sure you're subscribed to that as well. Facebook.com slash MarriedMovies at MarriedWMovies on Twitter. MarriedWMovies at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. For me, at your host, Malt38 on Instagram. For you. At Jam with your Sam. And also for me, ArcadeAudio.net slash Podbloggle for my Retro Wrestling Diary, where hopefully I have time over the next uh, uh, couple days to put up this week's episode, which would be Super Brawl 7, a very, 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 very good show. WCW had in 1997 that was only sold by Roddy Piper's uh, stupid Alcatraz thing. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. He like was in Alcatraz for a week so he could like, get ready for his match and it was bad. Mm-hmm. That's all. Okay. Anything else? No. No, I think we covered it. I think it's good. good movie. I mean... We're not, we're not done talking about Apollo 13, oh. right? I mean, like, anything else you want to say? Oh, no, no. We're doing this for, like, 400 times, and you still have no idea what Do you know what, what the definition of insanity is? Marrying you. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. For like mullet. I answer better. This is mullet. What'd you say? I like my answer better. Uh, signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. You can't just stare at me because the people can't see you. This is a podcast. This is an audio format, not not visual. Don't you know how these things work? We've been doing this 400 times. You've probably done a 1,000 podcasts in your life. Roughly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why I'm am I the expert? Podcasts. Why am I the expert? You are not an expert. Why am the one carrying this? You, could, you can't carry a fucking Reese's. Like a Reese's cup or Reese's pieces? I could carry what? it in my mouth alone. Smith, you can carry a peanut butter farm in your mouth. Exactly. Peanut butter farm? Yeah. Oh, yeah. George Washington Carver. Shout out. Because <laughs> not peanut butter farm. A peanut farm. It's like peanut. No, just... Like, they make peanut butter. Just growing peanut, just growing peanut butter. It's not how it works. Do you Steve. churn peanut butter? Well, no, because what about crunchy peanut butter? We just don't churn that. With the smooth stuff, do you churn it? No, I don't think so. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.